Steve are doing another Q&A episode for you guys. So first of all, thank you for all the questions. All the questions you email me or send to me on Instagram via direct message, I forward to Steve. And then Steve lists the questions in order. We do 10 questions per episode. So if we didn't get to your question, we will do it on the next episode. So Steve, with this being Tuesday night, Valentine's Day is two days away. What do you got planned uh, for Valentine's Day? Yeah, so Valentine's Day, guys, my recommendations is do not go out because every restaurant, even when the reservation is gonna be jammed. So go out on the weekend, either Friday night or Saturday night instead, it's gonna be way less people. And I would actually recommend like a, a, an early Valentine's on Saturday, that would be the best time to go out if you wanna to go to a restaurant. So best thing to do to Valentine's Day is stay at home, do a quiet you know, evening at home, and that's the best thing to do. How about you? Honestly, pretty uneventful, man. I'm presenting at the Winnipeg Wellness Expo, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Thursday night, I'm getting my presentation ready. So this this week has just been insane because I'm fully, I'm fully committed to my university clinical trial. So I'm just trying to fit everything in where I can. You're you're a freaking nerd, man. I know. So I'm gonna be making slides about intermittent fasting and ketogenic friendly diets on Valentine's Day. That's, uh, that'll be my Valentine's day. Well, one day when you're, uh, you know, a rich doctor, you can have all the Valentine's you want. You can have a different girl every night. So on our first, this well, brings it, yeah. this, keep, keep thinking positive thoughts. I'm really trying to move to Tampa, uh, next year, I'm putting some feelers out there. So hopefully it all works out and, uh, you never know. We could, uh, we could be doing this podcast in person next year. How does it work? Do you, how does it work? How do you, um, you know, how does that work with a, getting a PhD? So uh, you like have to, who, yeah, they pay for it or what? What's the, yeah, what's they, the deal? They pay for everything. Basically, you know, university pays for everything. But what, what do you have to do for them? Well, you do the research. So, but you're, so they're paying you for your education, but you have to turn around and do the research back. Basically. Yeah. So how come there's so many doctors that are that bitch that they're a hundred thousand, 200,000 in debt? Because they're, they're, they're going to medical school. They're not doing a PhD. They're not doing research. Oh, okay. So you're probably not going to make as much money then. Uh, it depends. If you're a university professor, you actually don't make that much money. But if you take your PhD and go into industry and, you know, like, let's say I became like the endorse, like I became like the spokesperson for a supplement company or something like that, you can make a lot of money. But as a university professor, no, you don't make that much. You make like a hundred grand a year. So speaking of university, let's go to our first topic. And this is one that Trevor was shy to, um, to ask, to, uh, to talk about. But listen, someone sent it in. It's a, it's a very good question that he has. And it's a very personal question. It's something we never talk about. And basically, he's 21 years old. He was talking about when he was 21 years old. He doesn't say how old he is now. I'm guessing he's probably your age, Trevor. <clears throat> but he said he was 21. He had an encounter with a woman while in college. Um, basically, he said it was the worst, worst day of his life. Um, and this is his story. He said that he, he was dating this girl. She got him over to her house. She tied him up to a chair. Then she started telling him that she's going to do all kinds of things to him, suck him, ride him. So he's like, fine. He lets her tie him up. He's playing along. Then she says, you know what? I'm going to leave. And if I come back and you're, and you're loose, you get a reward. But if you're not, you get punished. So she leaves. 30 minutes later, she comes back. He can't get out. He's like tied up. So then she starts torturing him. She sticks a dildo up his ass. She starts slapping him and hitting him. Then she tries to ride him and he can't get it up. So now at this point, she's enraged. So she starts to speed the shit out of him. 
this goes on for seven hours, okay? And then finally she just, you know, got tired, fell asleep and watched TV. So he ends up the next day, you know, letting him loose and stuff. He calls the police, the police come out, you know, um, she claimed that he had assaulted her, but the police didn't buy it because he's the one who had all the injuries. So they arrested her. He ends up dropping the charges. I'm not really sure why. He doesn't say why he drops the charges. But um, this is an interesting type of situation. And um, Trevor, I mean, you're, you're in college. Uh, tell me, has this happened to you? It sounds like you'd enjoy something like this. You, you, talk, you strike me as that kind of guy. Has this ever happened to you? The only thing I can say is that older women will prey on young overachievers. So I don't, like, I don't know this guy's whole story, but it sounds like he was a young guy. He was in college. He was very ambitious. You know, he's most likely preparing for med school or to be a lawyer or something like that. And older women will prey on men like that. So just be very, very careful on the type of women you associate yourself with and especially go over to their place. Um, and this is a, this is a good reminder for guys too, that, you know, we like to feel invincible as guys, but this is a stranger, right? So if you're meeting a stranger for the first time, maybe meet them in a public place, you know, go out for coffee, uh, meet at the university or things like that. Um, yeah, it's a crazy story. Like, holy smokes. I, I, I have a hard time even believing it was real, all of it, but, um, I wish you the best. And then if you're really suffering from mental like I think this would be post-traumatic stress disorder, so it'd be PTSD. If you're if you're suffering from PTSD, I'd recommend you know seeing a psychologist um, and talking about it, and, and hopefully they can give you some mitigation steps. I mean, my advice is don't like think that every woman is like that. So don't go through life like being scared to open your heart to a woman and stuff just because of this incident. So obviously, this woman has some sort of domination. Um, and I, I think she probably grew up watching her mom, like emotionally abuse her father. So now as an adult, she probably thinks she can do the same thing to men. And that's kind of what turns her on. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I think is happening here. So this woman is pretty fucked up and, uh, just, you know, listen, you know, move on. Hopefully, you know, I, I delete all your social media because she's probably going to come after you, you know? down the line she's probably going to stalk you she's probably going to keep an eye on you so you want to kind of be incognito and um hopefully she moves on to some other guy or ends up in prison so she can't do this again if you're really scared you could also consider getting a restraining order so our next question is cutting cycles this was a user question that trevor got um this guy wants to know what are the best cutting cycles quote unquote what's your advice to this guy i'll just talk about um cutting steroids and you can put together in a cycle so you have three main classic categories of steroids you have testosterone testosterone derivatives you have nandrolones and androlone derivatives and you have dhts so dht derivatives are generally the best for cutting cycles because those are steroids that don't aromatize into estrogen and don't cause water retention so steroids that fall into this category are primobolin winstrol Anavar, Masteron, the type of steroids you commonly hear with cutting steroids. So a simple cutting steroid uh, stack would be, you know, using a low dose of testosterone. Um, I think it's always best to use a low dose of testosterone just to prevent getting libido side effects or anything like that. So I'm talking just like a TRT dosage, maybe like 150, 200 milligrams per week. And then you could add in Primo, Masteron, um, something like that. A lot of guys will use Trend for cutting. Trend is, it is effective, but if you're newer to steroids, I wouldn't use Trend. Um, a low dose of test and high primo, that'd be a really effective, mild cycle. It'd be kind of expensive. That'd be the only downside, but that would be my recommendation. If you just want uh, a mild cycle, that's not going to be too hard on your body. It's not going to affect your liver. I would do, you know, maybe 200 milligrams of test and maybe 600 milligrams of primo for about 12 weeks. What are your thoughts, Steve? So first of all, if you're cutting, uh, we hear this a lot about steroids that cut. It's important to remember that these cycles that you read, you know, online where guys, and you know, if they finish the cycle with Winstrol or Tebow or Anavar or something, because they're dry orals and, or Masteron, which is a dry injectable, 
these guys are already have low body fat. These guys are already in top shape. You know, they're comp competing. So if you're an average Joe, there's no reason to do these types of cycles where you go, you go on something and then you finish it off with a cutter. And listen, if you're over 12, 13% body fat, that's a lot of body fat for someone who's using steroids in, in terms of being a cutter. Now, if you just like to lift heavy or, or whatever, you're just a normal guy, you don't care. Okay, I can, I can understand that. But if you're so concerned with cutting and using cutting steroids, there's no point in using a cutting steroid like Winstrol or, or Masteron or you know something like that if you've got high body fat because you're not going to be able to see anything anyway. It's just going to be covered up. So you got to remember with cutting steroids, they only are going to work Okay, if you have low body fat, you got to be like under 10, 11%. I mean, and otherwise, what's the point? I mean, it's not going to do anything for you except shed your head hair, dry out your joints, enlarge your prostate, you know, cause all these side effects, and you're not going to get much out of it. So if you don't care about that, you don't care about being lean, all right, that's fine, but you don't need to use a cutting steroid. But if you want, to be able to go to the gym, look in the mirror and flex your muscles and, you know, wear a cutoff and do bicep curls in front of the mirror and see your big vascularity, then it makes sense, but you got to have a little body fat. So lose the body fat first before you even think about running a cutting steroids, which seems, you know, like you might be listening to this and you don't like that answer, but that's what you have to do. Don't use the steroid to cut use the cutting steroid once you're already cut and you'll have so much better results. Trust me, there's so many guys that run these cutting cycles and they just spin their wheels. They're like 15, 16, 17% body fat. And they're like, I can't cut. I can't cut. Well, that's why, because you got to bring your body fat down until you do. You're not going to, you're not going to see what you want to see. That's my point. You brought up a really good point is because someone who's new to steroids will go on the message boards and look at, you know, someone who's preparing for a bodybuilding competition, look at their cycle and they'll see, you know, these guys probably using Masteron and Primo or Winstrol or things like that. And they'll make the wrong assumption, assuming that the pre-contest steroids is what got this guy lean. No, 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 no. This guy was following a pre-contest diet at the same time. The pre-contest diet is what got him lean. It's the steroids that gave him that nice cosmetic hardening effect. So what Steve says exactly right is that if you're a high body fat percentage, running a cutting cycle isn't going to benefit you at all. In fact, you're just going to be disappointed because you're not really going to get any strength or size gains from it. So yeah, Steve, really, really good, uh, really good point to bring up there. So the next topic is a recipe of the day. So we like to bring up a recipe on these Q and A's because, you know, we want to teach you guys like, look, you can still eat delicious food and still make it healthy. It's all about the ingredients. Okay. So I was driving the other day uh, with a buddy of mine. We were doing some business. We had a business transaction we were uh, dealing and he's like, you know, he's like pancakes house. And I was like, I'm like, what? And he's like, we stop at pancakes house. He was like a European guy. He's like French, French or something. So he didn't speak much English. And I was like, pancakes. I mean, we just fucking had pancakes for breakfast. Why the fuck do we need pancakes for? I mean, let's go fucking get a shot, a steak and a beer, maybe not more fucking pancakes. Come on. But I mean, looking back, he was probably saying, hey, he just wanted to go to the pancake house and have eggs or something. You know what I'm saying? He didn't want pancakes. The point, the point of the story is that you can eat healthy pancakes. So here's my pancake recipe. And this is a healthy pancake recipe. It's all natural ingredients. So what you're gonna have is in the first bowl, a quarter cup of organic coconut flour, a, um, a quarter teaspoon Himalayan pink salt, a half a teaspoon of baking soda. The second bowl, you're gonna have two whole pasture humane friendly eggs, three quarter of a teaspoon organic vanilla extract or almond extract, and then three quarter tablespoon to one tablespoon of raw honey. It's gotta be raw honey. Don't get that crappy shit they have in the, in the grocery store. It's gotta be the good stuff. You're gonna mix up both the bowls then you're gonna combine them. And then you're gonna slowly cook them on the pan 
using coconut oil as you know on the pan and then once it's brown on one side flip that sucker over cook it on this side once it's brown boom it's done you can even put it in the freezer and have a nice cold you know um, pancake or you can eat it while it's warm then you can put some honey on top or some almond butter make it make it really delicious and cinnamon is also a good thing you can put on top this is a healthy recipe guys and trust me these are delicious if you ever have guests over make a bunch of these they'll absolutely love it do you have a recipe uh, you want to share my recipe is for kale chips so kale is something we know we should be eating it's one of the most nutrient dense foods on the earth it tastes like crap let's face it it tastes like crap it's not really convenient like it's not really something you can snack on it's not like a carrot stick where you know you can just munch on it so kale chips this is a recipe i actually have to give credit to my ex-girlfriend because she showed me this and at first it seemed kind of too good to be true. It was like kale chips, like you're gonna make chips out of kale, like that's not gonna work. So what you do is you take your kale, put it in a big bowl, then in the big bowl, you're gonna drizzle on olive oil, you're gonna add in salt, pepper, and then you can have whatever seasoning. What I normally do is I'll just add garlic. It's gonna make it taste, um, just like, it's, it's just gonna give it a nice, almost like cheese-like taste to it. Um, and then so basically you put all those seasonings on and then you just, combine everything in the bowl and you make sure that the kale is evenly coated. Don't put on a ton of oil, just a little bit, just a drizzle, salt, black pepper, garlic powder. You can put on whatever you want. You can put on paprika, you can put on chili powder, you can put on oregano. It doesn't really matter. I normally will just use garlic powder, salt, and black pepper. Really simple. Take a baking dish, put on aluminum foil, and then you lay the kale on it. So basically lay it so that it's one layer thick. Don't lay it on top of each other because you basically want to dehydrate it. So you're gonna need two, probably three baking pans if you got quite a bit of kale. So you basically lay the kale in the baking dish. Now the key is you put it in the oven at 300 for an hour. So it's a low heat at a high time. So 300 for an hour. And what this does is it dehydrates it and it literally comes out as like chips because it gets really, really crunchy. And then cause it has that salt, it has that nice salt chip taste. It's, it's, it's awesome, Steve. I don't know if you've ever made this before, you won't even miss regular potato chips. Like, it's that good. I'll have to do that for uh, guacamole. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. But the key is low temperature for a long time, and that's what dehydrates it, and that's what gives it, like, an actual, like, tortilla chip-type consistency. Because if you try to do too high of a heat, it's going to burn it. So you're actually, you're actually not cooking the kale, you're dehydrating it. So it's almost like eating, like, dehydrated kale chips like it's, it's really really good you'll you're gonna text me after you make it saying thanks Trev. this is an awesome recipe so this kind of ties into it it says what what's uh the benefits of eating fat so um you know we kind of talked about this on last q a because doctors always tell people not to have fat because fat's bad for you um the the bottom line is that people think that fat makes you fat which it doesn't and people think fats are bad. Everyone wants low fat. Everyone wants no fat, low fat. And this is, you know, contributing to the obesity epidemic in the country because people get things that are in a low fat, no fat. And instead of that fat, they're basically putting sugars in these foods and hydrogenated oils and high fructose corn syrup and all this crap that basically causes a spike in obesity and, and diabetes. So let's go through some of the benefits of fat. Uh, the brain, 60% um, of our brain is fat. So fats are good for your brain functions. It's good for, um, it's good for dementia. Uh, we know that eating fatty fish, high in omega-3s, lowers the likelihood of developing uh, dementia. Depression. It's good uh, to, for combating depression. It's good for lowering blood pressure. It's good for um, reducing uh, triglycerides um, and uh, plaque in the arteries. It's great for the cardiovascular system, the lungs, the nerves, um, the heart in general, and our cells too. Fatty acids help your cells stay movable and flexible. So there's so many benefits to fat. And we're not getting enough because we're listening to these people who are telling us to avoid fat. So don't be scared of fat, guys. In fact, I, I would say my diet, 
I'd say 60% of my macros are fat. And, uh, you know, I stay lean and I stay healthy. I stay high energy because of that. So I'm a big proponent of fat. Um, and, you know, don't be scared of it. I, I pretty much have avocado every day. I have nuts pretty much every day. I have fatty fish during fishing season twice a week, three times a week. So there's nothing wrong with fat, guys. There's nothing wrong with getting a steak that has fat on it and eating a, a fatty steak. I mean, everyone wants to cut off the fat and everyone wants to just eat the uh, red parts of the steak and, and they throw out the fat. And it's, it's just, you know, you guys got to like stop listening to these, these morons who are telling you that fat is bad for you. So everything Steve said is correct, assuming it's from a quality fat source. So if you're getting grass-fed beef, then yeah, the fat actually has a one-to-one omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. It's very high in CLA. A lot of people think that you know animal fat, beef fat, is all saturated. But actually, beef fat, if it's grass-fed, is more monounsaturated than saturated fat. The fat in grass-fed beef is roughly 45% monounsaturated, 30% saturated and about 15% polyunsaturated. So yeah, if it's from quality sources, fat is very important. You just want to not be consuming oxidized rancid fats. You don't want to be consuming sunflower oil, soybean oil, vegetable oils, things like that. Um, to just build on what Steve said, he pretty much covered it all. You have essential amino acids and essential fatty acids. There's actually no essential carbohydrate. So your body is essential amino acids are called essential because you cannot, your body cannot manufacture them. You need to be getting them through diet. So you have essential amino acids, then you have your essential fatty acids, your omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. They're called essential because your body cannot manufacture them. You need to get these through, through your diet. So amino acids, protein, and fat are very, very important. You need them to live. The structural component of all your cells, if you look at the phospholipid bilayer, it is made of fat. So yeah, fat is extremely important. Just make sure it's quality fat. Make sure you're getting it from ethically humane raised meats, unoxidized oils, um, healthy nuts, healthy seeds, things like that. Yeah, don't eat chipotle and think that uh, it's good fats because chipotle puts sunflower oil in their food. So remember what, what restaurant food is very hard, guys, to get good quality. And I'll give you a statistic for those of you who say that, you know, oh, you guys are full of shit. My doctor said fat's bad for me. Well, next time ask your doctor, how come 60 years ago, Americans ate half their calories from fat and only 13% were obese and type two diabetes was virtually non-existent. Now we get less than a third of our calories from fat probably like a quarter of our calories from fat because everyone's scared of fat. Everyone gets no fat, low fat. Everyone eats processed shit. And how many of us are obese? I mean, go to the South out of Walmart. It's like fucking 80% are obese. You can't find a 45 year old man who doesn't have a gut. And you know, the type two diabetes rates in the United States now it's 26%. So more than a quarter of us have type two diabetes. So don't give me that shit. That fat's bad for us. Next question. Next question is Jim Douche of the week story. So Trevor, you have one. What's a Jim Douche of the week story you saw last time, last couple times you're at the gym? This is something that has never made sense to me. So let's say I'm going to do bicep curls uh, with dumbbells, right? I will go to the rack, I'll grab whatever dumbbells I want, and then I will walk over to the mirror, do my set. If I'm gonna do another set, I'll put them down, and then, you know, rest of it, do another set. I don't understand why people pick up their dumbbells from the rack and then start doing their set immediately at the rack. Like, especially if you're doing something like dumbbell side lateral raises, now no one else can get dumbbells because you've got your entire, like, radius of, of your swinging so no one, like, I, I just, I, I've never understood it. Like, do you understand why? Like, I, I can understand people not putting their weights away because they're lazy. I can understand people not wiping down their bench because they're lazy. Like, that stuff, like, 
I don't, I don't recommend, like, I don't support people doing it, but I can at least understand why they would do it because they're lazy. But I don't understand why you would literally pick up the dumbbells and then do your set right there, like right in front of the rack. Like, what's, what's your story, Steve? So, I mean, this story is kind of twofold. Number one, how about gyms themselves being douches, like gym managers? What about the whole, like, they charge you this fee, like, every six months, and it's not even in your contract, but you, you get an email saying, oh, um, we're charging a $50 maintenance fee on the gym. And then you're like, what the fuck is this? And you look at your gym contract, there's nothing in your gym contract about a, a gym fee maintenance. Then you go to the gym and you talk to the manager and the manager's like, oh, when you signed up, we told you there was a $50 gym maintenance. And it's like, what the fuck, you know, what is this shit? And then they're like, oh, it's to upgrade the gym. And then you're like, okay, fine, you pay the $50. And then like weeks later, months later, you don't see anything upgraded. Like what's the deal with that? Why do gyms have to constantly screw people, you know, with these types of little scams? And then like when you're trying to cancel your gym membership, they make it impossible to cancel your gym membership. You have to like jump through hoops. They're like, oh, you have to come in between nine and four when our uh, manager is here. Well, everyone works nine to four during the week. So it's like you have to miss work to come in and talk to the manager to get your 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 you know your gym membership canceled so they don't keep billing you. It's absurd. And then like they do a gym membership too, where they say that you can you can bring a guest. So then you bring your guest and then they hassle the guest. They'll get their guest's information and start like freaking harassing the guests, sending them emails, calling them every day to get them to sign up. And then like, oh, we need your driver's license. We need this. We need to take your picture. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? It's like, you know, when the gyms become so, you know, such scam artists, you know, where it's not like it used to be where you went to the gym, you got on your workout, you're, you know, you did your thing, you're, you're good to go. You just paid, paid them cash, whatever. Now they got to get your credit card number. They got to get your driver's license. They got to send you to collections. They give you these random bills. So that's douchebaggery at its finest, how gyms have turned into basically places just to scam people out of money. One, one more thing is that when those gyms would be like, hey, give us five of your friends phone numbers for us to call and we'll give you a gym bag. Don't be one of those douches who, who actually gives them people's phone numbers. Like don't, don't, don't support, don't support them. I actually, uh, I gave them nine fake numbers and I gave them a number of this guy I hated. And then I, the- I, when, <laughs> they always come up to me and they're like, Hey, we always see you here. You must have a lot of friends who also would be interested in getting, I say, I'm sorry. I don't have any friends and just, uh, just walk away. Oh, poor Trevor. He has no friends. This guy, this guy's a hard sell, but he's really interested. Trust oh, me. Shit. But like he really wants to buy a membership. So if if he's he's not answering your calls, just keep leaving voicemails. Like trust me, like he really wants to. Sign oh my up. god, can you imagine? That'd be a good prank to, to pull on someone. So the next one is King. Uh, next one is, can you tell me everything you know about Trend? I'm thinking about using it. Okay, um, Trend is a very interesting steroid. It's a nandrolone derivative, so it doesn't aromatize into estrogen, but it does raise prolactin levels in the body. It's pretty hard to get gyno from prolactin. The only time you'll get gyno from prolactin is you also have high estrogen. So if you're running trend with test, which you most likely will be, make sure you're using a rheumatized inhibitor to keep estrogen levels in the normal range. I recommend adding in an anti-prolactin as well, like Caber or Prami, just because even if you won't get gyno from high prolactin, a lot of guys will get sensitive nipples, will get lactating nipples, things like that. So I, I would just add it in at the worst. It's not going to hurt you. Prolactin is a hormone that isn't even needed by men. Um, Steve, I'll let you talk about how powerful trend is as a steroid and the fact that you shouldn't be just hopping on it at, at first for a first or second cycle. But it's a very, it's, it's a very effective steroid. Um, respect it is what I'll say. You know, a little bit goes a long ways. 200 to 300 milligrams per week is all you need. It's uh, definitely the strongest steroid, guys. Of all the main steroids... I mean, it's the strongest, pure and simple. Like, if you want to hit PRs in both mass or strength, 
probably at the same time, like if you really, really reach the plateau and you want to take things to the next level, trend with another mild compound like Anavar or T-Bowl is all you need. I would not run trend with something harsh. Like let's say you ran trend with Winstrel, then you would have crazy hair loss. You would have crazy prostate issues. You have crazy cholesterol issues. So don't run trend with another harsh steroid. Like if you ran trend with D-Bowl or ran trend with Anadrol, okay? Those have a lot of side effects. So use trend responsibly, either use it by itself or stack it with another mild compound. Don't run it with something else, androgenic. Don't run it with something else that has a lot of side effects because it's really, really some strong shit. And one of the things on trend that you want to remember is that it does dehydrate the shit out of you. So make sure you, you don't run it if it's like the middle of the summer and it's really, really hot because you're going to be like chasing water all day. You're like, I can't hydrate, you know, and it's going to suck. So like, don't run it during the hot times of the year. Don't run it if you like to do a lot of cardio because it is a bitch. It will destroy your cardio because it's so fucking inflammatory and inflammation in the body is the worst thing you can do if you like cardio. So if you're an active person, you like to go kayaking, you like to go hiking, you like to climb mountains, shit like that, don't run trend. It's not a good idea. So trend is definitely something that you want to run if you simply want to get strong and you want to get as you know you, big as you can without putting on a shitload of fat. It's, it's a tremendous steroid. It's not originally a cattle steroid. That's something that this is probably the only podcast that you're going to hear that from. It was originally human grade. It was pharma grade. A company called Negma out of France made something called Parabolin, and that was sold. And it was actually used, um, trend, trend was actually used originally for uh, mu muscle wasting. Banned, after it was banned, then it came back as a cattle steroid used in cattle. So that's why bodybuilders like in the 90s and 2000s started using it. Um, as a cattle steroid, but don't let anyone tell you that it was originally a vet steroid because they would be wrong. So definitely respect it. Like Trevor said, I'm going to say one more thing and then you can list the next question, Steve. Um, like Steve said, trend will kill your cardio. It will absolutely destroy your endurance. I really like recommending adding carterin into any cycle you do with trend because that will help offset that cardiovascular side effect. And also, Tren is horrible for your lipid profiles. It will absolutely crush your HDL. It's just going to, it will absolutely mess up your blood work bad. So Carterin helps improve blood work. So that will help offset the blood work side effects as well. But yeah, Tren, 10 weeks max, a little bit goes a long ways. And if you are planning on doing any sort of cardio, skip it. It, it, it kills your endurance. It dehydrates you really bad. Um, most people get really bad night sweats from it. That's, that's, that's about it. I think we've pretty much covered trend. Next yeah, topic. And I recommend N2 guard as well. Very important um, when you're on trend. And don't go into a cycle of any kind, much less trend when you're in bad shape. If you have high blood pressure, don't, don't run steroids, but especially trend. This ties into the next one. Can you get addicted to anabolic steroids or die from them? So Steve, I'm just going to give a short answer and I'll let you cover this question in more depth. So physically, steroids are not addictive. They're, you will not get withdrawal symptoms. So the reason why recreational drugs like heroin are so addictive is that your body actually becomes physically dependent on it and you will die without it. And that's why when a heroin addict goes into recovery, they will actually prescribe that person heroin and slowly wean them off it. That does not happen with steroids. Now, steroids are mentally addictive because most people who are taking steroids, they have low self-esteem. They were either bullied or they were the fat guy or they were the skinny guy. I'm, I'm stereotyping here, so like, bear with me, but it's, it's true. Most of you listening to this podcast can sympathize with what I'm saying. You know, chances are you, you started taking steroids because you had low self-esteem and you wanted to improve your body image. 
And when you take steroids, you feel like Superman. You look great. You have endless energy. Your strength is through the roof. So they're not physically addictive, but they're mentally addictive because you get addicted to that feeling. No one wants their cycle to end. They want to feel like that forever. So a lot of guys will go into a mild depression during their PCT because they miss that feeling. They miss how they look. They miss that endless energy. And then they'll do another steroid cycle before they really should, which can fall into the category of addiction. So are steroids addictive? With the right mindset, no. But a lot of people do get addicted to steroids. And that's why if you talk to most steroid users, they've been using steroids for over 10 years is because most people get addicted to the way they look and feel on steroids. Steve, I'll let, I'll let you uh, cover that now. Well, um, let, me, let me say this. Um, I would say with steroids, um, they don't affect your midbrain. Not that I know of. Um, something like like uh, gambling or porn or sex, stuff like that, that stimulates your midbrain or food or caffeine. You know, you, you, you want that, you get it, and you, you feel that euphoria. But steroids, they don't, they don't do that. So they don't affect your midbrain like that. Um, they're not an addictive recreational drug. So from a mental aspect, the, the trend that you see with the addiction, with people who get addicted to steroids, are usually guys who never worked out without them. So these are guys that maybe they'll work out like for a few years or something off and on. They're not really serious. They didn't really work out for 5, 10, 15 years, then start the steroids. They kind of just hopped on the steroids right off the bat. So let's say hypothetically you're in that situation and you've only been working out a few months or you've been working out a year off and on, and then you hop on steroids and you get that amazing feeling and your strength goes up and you start getting, you know, your muscles start getting full, you know, and then you come off steroids and you're like, shit, you know, what am I supposed to do? I don't want to go back to, you know, how I was before. So in that aspect, yes, they can be mentally addictive. I can honestly say I am far from addicted from steroids. I hate using steroids. Who likes injecting themselves? Who likes having to take a fucking pill twice a day? I mean, I, I don't, I don't. I don't really use steroids anymore. Um, I went through a phase where I use, use them maybe two, three, four years. I use them quite a bit, but now I barely use them and I'm happier not using them. I would rather just stay natural, maybe run a SARMS cycle here and there, but um, you know, I have no reason to use steroids. So I can't say that I'm addicted to them. And um, so I honestly am happier not not on them. So I, from my personal experience, they're not addictive. Can they kill you? If you already have really, really bad health, if you have high blood pressure, if you have bad cholesterol and you have clogged arteries and you hop on a bunch of Tran and Anadrol and Winstrol, yeah, they can kill you, but they can't, they're not going to directly kill you, no. So, you know, we, we don't really have any evidence that they'll directly kill you. But if you abuse the shit out of them and you're already having organ issues, then yes, you, you, could, you could die from them. But we don't have any evidence of people actually directly dying from them that I know of. So it's one of those things where it's a contributor, but it's not a direct effect. That's a good answer, Steve. You want to give the next question? Okay, so the next one is bedtime or snacks at night. Talk a little bit about that. I'll give, I'll give a really good one. Um, this is a good one uh, for the evening because most people in the evening, they like to snack. Snacking is generally bad because generally when you're snacking, you're snacking on unhealthy foods. And also most people, when they snack, they're snacking while watching TV, watching Netflix, and they're not mindfully eating. So they're consuming way more calories than they would originally have because they're not mindfully eating. But one snack I like, um, and you want to buy this organic because otherwise corn is very genetically modified, is popcorn. Popcorn is actually very low calorie. Um, if you pop it, you know, it's very voluminous. Four cups of popcorn has like 120 calories. Um, I don't actually add anything to it. I just eat it straight as is. If you want, you could drizzle on a little bit of coconut oil. 
what I would actually do is get the coconut oil spray and just spray it on the popcorn. You could also add sea salt. Um, if you want to make it taste cheesy, nutritional yeast, delicious, absolutely delicious. Buy nutritional yeast. You can get it at most health food stores. It's actually really good for you as well. Super high in B vitamins and that'll give it a cheesy type taste to it. But I really like popcorn as a snack. Um, digest well for me, but just make sure you buy it organic because corn is one of the most genetically modified foods. Steve, what are some of your favorite snacks? The problem with, um, I like raw nuts as well as a snack and, you know, I used to eat popcorn. Um, but the problem with both of those is they really fuck up your teeth. And popcorn is something that the kernels will get stuck in your gums and between your teeth. And it's really hard to get them out. And you probably don't even know they're in there. So be careful with that, guys. If you're going to use popcorn or raw nuts as a snack, definitely cycle them on and off. Don't just like eat popcorn every single day because trust me, it will catch up to you. Protect your teeth, okay? Um, it's one of those things where I don't know if you, you guys have dental insurance in Canada, but here in the United States, a crown costs you almost a grand. So you don't want to have to start crowning your teeth because you're eating a lot of popcorn and a lot of nuts. Snacking is an epidemic, guys. Um, one of the main reasons, if I had to list five of the top reasons why Americans are obese, I would say snacking is definitely in the top five. Um, it's probably number three or four. Yo, Steve, you want to come over and have some popcorn? No, man, I'm not on my popcorn cycle right now. <laughs> <laughs> your, your dentist will thank you, believe me, if, you're, if you don't have popcorn. But snacking, guys, definitely is in the top five. And if you actually go to anyone's house and you, um, you know, just watch the game with them or something, they'll usually be snacking on soda and beer and chips and, you know, all that crap that they eat, you know, um, and if they do eat like celery or carrots, they'll dip it in ranch dressing. And so we know this, okay. I don't have to convince you guys. So the TV watching sports, it's, it's definitely an epidemic. And I tell a lot of my clients who are obese, I'm like, this is hard to do, but throw your TV away. Like if you throw your TV away, instead of watching TV and stuffing your face every evening, do something else. Maybe go to the park in the evening, go, you know, uh, read a book, take the dog for a hike, something else. Because when you watch TV, you want a snack. And that's, that's the thing. I like to watch a lot of murder mysteries. So one of my things that I love doing is like getting some popcorn and just sitting there and watching a murder mystery, a good quality hour long murder mystery in the evenings. That's my thing. Okay. So if you're going to snack raw nuts, popcorn, but cycle off, you don't want to fuck up your teeth. And then fruit, fruit is really good too. Just be careful with the snacking because Snacking, um, I, actually, you know, there's some evidence that we have. If you snack late in the evening, you're more likely to store that food as fat because as humans, we did not evolve to be nocturnal. We evolved to eat during the day, not at night. So what you eat at night, really the body tends to store it more as fat. And that sounds like gross science, but look, look, look into that because it does have validity to it. You cannot overturn hundreds of thousands of years of evolution. Cool. Anything else to add, Trevor? That's it. I know you got one more question. I just got a question submitted while we're recording. So we'll do two more questions quick. So Steve, you do your question and then I'll read one more. New lifter. How should I lift? So let me hit this really quick with my suggestion because um, I can tell you what I did when I first started is I got into the weightlifting program in my school. We had a, we had a weightlifting gym. Um, and <clears throat> the coach taught me compound lifts. And he said, he's like, Steve, you got a lot of potential. You're going to be on the varsity weightlifting team, yada, yada, yada. You know, but I need you to learn how to do these properly. So he got me doing the clean and jerks, the benching, the deadlifting, um, the militaries, all that stuff. And that's all we did. And that built a very strong base for me when I was a teenager. And now as an adult, I can switch around and do split routines or do, you know, full body workouts or whatever. And I still maintain my muscle mass and size. 
And I really attribute that because I spent the first few years of my weightlifting um, doing these compound lifts. So I recommend any new lifter when you're young, don't go in front of the mirror and grab a dumbbell and start doing curls in front of the fucking mirror. Okay. That's not the correct thing to do when you first start, in my opinion. I think you should just stick to the compound lifts, pull-ups, push-ups, dips, bench press, deadlifts, squats, lunges. There's so many different compound lifts. Um, rows, I can, I can go on and on. Do the compound lifts. Don't worry about jacking off to yourself in front of the mirror, like I see a lot of guys do. You don't need to do these isolation lifts yet. That should, you should build a base your first few years. And if you look at all these pro bodybuilders like Ronnie Coleman and stuff, they all started out doing powerlifting with compound lifts and they built a really strong base and that's allowed them to be successful later on. So what you do now is going to pay off when you get older. Be patient. Everyone is in a rush. Everyone wants to, you know, build huge arms overnight. It's not going to happen. You've got to do it the right way. It's going to take some time. It's really good advice, Steve. I recommend something pretty similar. A lot of people at the university gym will come up to me and say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm interested in starting to lift weights. What would you recommend? Weightlifting is a skill and you get better at skills by practicing them. So I recommend doing a full body routine three days a week, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sticking with the compound lifts. Like Steve said, you know, bench press, squat, deadlift, lunges, pull-ups, dips, things like that. You need to build a foundation and you also need to learn how to weightlift. If you build a good foundation with the compound lifts, you're going to have a good mind-muscle connection. And then when you do isolation movements later on, things like preacher curls, dumbbell lateral raises, you're going to have a good feel for the muscle and you're actually going to be able to get that muscle to contract. If you look at a new lifter trying to do dumbbell lateral raises, his dumbbells aren't his his ladder his his delts aren't even moving the weight. It's just momentum because he doesn't have any mind muscle connection. He doesn't really know what he's doing. So yeah, really good advice, Steve. The listener question I just got submitted is from a girl. She listens to our podcast. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, so she was wondering what would be a good Valentine's Day gift for someone who's into fitness. I'll give one suggestion quick, and then Steve, you can give one suggestion. I think a great gift is a receipt. I guess it wouldn't be a receipt, uh, a gift certificate for a massage. Um, most people love massages, especially a weightlifter. Um, I think that'd be a great uh, gift, something he'll really enjoy. And then the problem with when you buy clothes or things like that, it might not fit. Or if you want to buy him supplements, it might not be the supplement he likes or things like that. So I think a gift, uh, a gift certificate for a massage would be a great gift option. Steve, what would be your recommendation? I got, I got two... I get um, um, a Nike gift certificate so you can go buy shoes because we always need to buy new shoes at least, you know, two, three times a year. Buy some new good quality shoes, especially he likes to run. So he'll appreciate that. He'll be able to use that gift card. And another one is Bikram Yoga. Check in your area for a good Bikram Yoga studio. They usually have really good deals, like the first month for like, you know, 25 or 50 bucks. Get them a, get them a gift certificate for that and go do a class with them. Because as a weightlifter, you have to correct your imbalances and you have to correct your posture. And a lot of us, we pound the weights for so many years and we build imbalances and we fuck our spine up. And the Bikram yoga is a great way to decompress. So he might be like, what's yoga? Yoga is stupid, what is this? But trust me, when he goes to that class, you'll be like, wow, this is the best gift ever. So that's a great thing. And it will make you weightlift better if you, if you do that. So and you, that's something you can do with them. I think, I think that's a really good suggestion. Um, if he's extremely unflexible, Bikram yoga might be a little bit too intense. So at the yoga studio, see if they have beginner classes or anything like that. Because if he tried to do hot yoga right away, he might just be totally overwhelmed. But yeah, I, I like the recommendation of a yoga studio gift certificate. And like Steve said, shop around. Most yoga studios will have 30 days for $30 intro promos, uh, things like that. So we really appreciate the questions, guys. If you have more questions, you can send me an email. You can send me a direct message on Instagram. You can contact Steve on the message boards. Keep the questions coming. Like we couldn't do this podcast without your guys' questions. And 
both Steve and myself would like to wish all of you a happy and enjoyable Valentine's Day. For your host, Trevor Kuritz, and for my co-host, Steve Smee, it's been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life, look good doing it. Thanks for listening. Thank you.